Hi, and welcome to a special edition of the Red-Headed Preacher. It's March 22nd, and you know what that means. In Illinois, we are on shelter and home, and that means that we are recording this both for YouTube and podcast ahead of time. It's going to be a streamlined service. We're going to be podcasting all of it because it is not a full-length service. And if you want a bulletin to go along with that, feel free to find a link on to that bulletin on our church's Facebook page. There will be a post that will include that. It might also be on the church's webpage to link to get the bulletin to print off to follow along. Our lector is Beth Sturba. The sermon is called On Sight and Blindness, and we and Ben... Um, Ben Westfall, our music director, is going to be accompanying us in the music that we do do today. So, thanks for tuning in, and I hope you're along for the ride. It's going to be a little bit more than a homily. Onward. This is the day to do the works of light, the works of God. 
spirit of prayer as I offer up a prayer of invocation. Let us pray. Marvelous God, we are in very unusual circumstances as we draw near to you in worship this 22nd of March, 4th Sunday in Lent. Scattered to our homes, perhaps holding a bulletin from online, we look on through a screen, but also do more than look on. We know worship is something to do in community. This morning we learned that community takes different forms than we've known before. For while we are yet apart, we are also together in focus, in spirit, in hope, and in faith. We are glad, of oh God, that Jesus still knows us, hears us, encounters and embraces us. O oh God, grant us the gift of our awareness of your presence with us, wherever and however we are right now. We do not invoke your presence, as you are everywhere, but we do invoke you to spark our awareness of you with us. Not only in our individual separate locations, but also somehow knitting us together in a way beyond our human capacity to grasp. Bless our service and everyone who watches, listens, hears anything from it. In the name of Jesus, who knew a few things about turning normalcy upside down, we pray. Amen. Our mission moment. One Great Hour of Sharing is still going on, and this is a story about One Great Hour of Sharing's blessings. It's called Investing in Florida. Recovery is challenging enough for people with means, but hundreds, including people with fixed incomes, the ill, elderly, and disabled, simply lack the resources to build, rebuild on their own. With generous contributions for One Great Hour of Sharing, the United Church of Christ, with the help of volunteer work teams from around the country who have given thousands of hours, they've restored close to 200 homes. His Volusia County, Florida home lost most of the roof's shingles to Hurricane Irma's winds, 2017. The storm opened the way to major leaks, which destroyed much of the ceiling in the main living room area and bedroom. UCC Disaster Ministries partnered with Volusia Interface slash Agencies Networking in Disaster, VIND, to help the most vulnerable disaster survivors. VIND helped the veteran obtain a loan to pay for a new roof and deploy a volunteer work team from Altoona, Pennsylvania, United Church of Christ, to complete the interior repairs in his home. Quote, the volunteers did it with such love and compassion, taking the job under their wings and making it perfect, the veteran said. My health was deteriorating due to breathing in particles and debris from the water damage in my home, but it's improving now. I have a new outlook and I'm no longer depressed. Thanking VIND and the volunteers, he said, you have changed my life. Needs are being met in Florida with support from One Great Hour of Sharing. Volunteer work teams, a construction supervisor, and over two dozen UCC congregations 
have volunteered to help repair homes. Not too far away from Volusia County, the Florida Panhandle is still trying to recover from a very powerful hurricane, Hurricane Michael 2016. UCC Disaster Ministries is working with long-term recovery groups, LTRG, in seven counties. In fall 2019, Betsy Jungelas, an experienced UCC Partners in Service volunteer, and Benji Benswawel, a full-time construction manager, were deployed to the area. They will see, excuse me, they will assist the LTRGs with building coordination and volunteer management for a year. While progress has been made in Florida over the past year in recovery, there are still significant unmet needs, said Ken Skalitsky, a UCC disaster recovery specialist for the Eastern region. Please support disaster recovery with your work team's donations and prayers. Skalitsky said, our ability to support long-term recovery in Florida is but one example of our living in the gospel of Christ. It is also a chance to invest in the futures of communities. And that's a mission moment and is our mission moment for today in support of our church's March long uh, requests for donations to one great hour of sharing. Our sharing the Lenten reflection, this would be an insert if you had your full bulletin, was written by Ben Westfall, our music director, and it is on Restore, which is the, the bulletin theme of the lectionary for today. And Ben writes, This morning I will be playing a piece on the piano entitled A Prayer of Need by Peggy Rodriguez. The melody of the piece is inspired by the late 14th century Netherlander Thomas a. Kempis. Kempis was the author of one of the most popular devotional books of the time, The Imitation of Christ. While I play this piece, I encourage you to follow along and may your soul exhaust itself in singing praises of God's love. And here is the text. My love is weak, my heart imperfect, so I have great need of you. I need you strengthening and your comfort, your instruction, and your freedom. Let your love dissolve my hard heart. Let your love lift me up. Let your love reveal to me joy beyond imagination. Let my soul exhaust itself in singing praise of your love. This concludes our sharing of the Lenten reflection, except for when Ben plays that a little bit later on in our service. And now we will have, over at the lectern, Beth will share with us the prayer for illumination and the scriptures for this Sunday in Lent. Good morning. Good morning. We call the prayer I'm about to lead us in the prayer for illumination. We pray for God to illumine or shine light upon what we are about to hear. We ask for your understanding. As we get ready to hear these passages, may God give us the light or understanding that we need so that we may truly grow as God's daughters and sons of light. 
Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Jesus, you gave sight to the man born blind. Give us sight too, we ask, that we may perceive what you are saying to us this morning. Open the eyes of our spirits and minds so that we will grasp your desires for us, for this church, and for your world. Then filled with joy and marvel, as was the blind man after he was healed, may we, too, follow you. This grace we ask in the name of the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Our first reading is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Both God and the prophet Samuel have found fault with King Saul, whom Samuel anointed earlier and had felt a close connection to at one point. As directed by God, Samuel has told Saul that God has torn the kingdom away from him and will give it to another. Saul and Samuel then split up, and chapter 15 ends with the words, Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry he had made Saul king over Israel. Here is where our story today picks up. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came out to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on our outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all of your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. This ends the reading from 1 Samuel. 
Our second reading is also our gospel lesson. It is John chapter 9. And as our prayer referred to, the man born blind, so this passage tells the story of Jesus healing a man who was born and how people reacted afterwards. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed to him, in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he went and washed and came back to see him. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how are your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that is our son, and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, though, that though I was blind and now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have already told you and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, 
We do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to the sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would, have, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. Here ends the reading from John and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God grant us a joyful and generous understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. Our worship continues with an anthem.
Thank you, Ben. This is that historic Sunday for our congregation and for me as a pastor. Yes, because first, we've never faced COVID-19 and it's octopus tentacles of threats before. And because we've never held what's been called virtual worship before. As you follow along with the bulletin, if you've had the opportunity to follow the link and print it out, we are still together, even though we are scattered. We are not alone, even if you happen to physically be by yourself. You are not alone. This is also a day of firsts in a positive way. For the man in our gospel passage, which Beth just read, the man whom Jesus healed got to see for the very first time he had been born unable to see anything. Blindness is all he had ever known. And we know he's an adult by now. And of course he rejoiced. In our firsts, now we won't rejoice while we're facing COVID-19 and its impact on so many things, including, you name it, jobs, personal schedules, etc. But we can rejoice that we are able to worship together in a way, and, and this can be replayed. So it doesn't have to be just today or, or this part of an hour in worship. Fifteen years ago, I would have doubted this could have even been possible, at least not without a lot of expensive equipment. And I don't think we'd have the, the bandwidth speed to carry this either. But So although this is not a replacement for gathering together in the flesh, let's take a moment to be glad we have the technology that we do for this kind of gathering. Now, some of you have felt social isolation since the no gathering of ten or more came out. You can relate a little to our man born blind because he was socially isolated too. True, he had his parents, but it sounds like he's on his own as far as living with them now. No, when you cannot see, or see well, or hear, or speak, or walk, or even drive, you are cut off after a fashion. So it's easy to get down in the dumps unless you have some really good company despite your overall isolation, but with this no gatherings, it might be even tough to have some good company. It all depends on one's individual circumstances. So what happens to this socially and otherwise isolated man? He was no celebrity, no hero, no authority figure, no medical doctor that people would pay him a lot of attention. So what happens to this powerless, isolated man? Jesus happens. I call this reflection on sight and blindness, and I started with sight because our gospel story does. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. He saw a man blind from birth. Jesus sees you who are in need of healing, who are undergoing isolation, 
You who are seeking something holy or someone good whom you've never totally really experienced before. He also touches the man. He touches the man with the mud made of his spit and the dirt of the earth. Well, not in everyone, but in many healing stories, Jesus touches the person. There is physical contact. A man born blind, he probably grew up being touched a lot, but not always kindly. I can imagine him being pushed around or led around like a helpless child or pushed over for laughs by nasty kids, gripped tightly out of necessity, but how often was he touched compassionately with the intent to bring, really bring, light into his life, some warmth. My friend and colleague, the Reverend Merritt D. Berg, told me one of his favorite sermons of his is called He Touched Me, and not because of the Gaither song, but because of that aspect of Jesus healing someone, that he touched them. So may you or I know his touch in our isolation, in our relative powerlessness, in our need for a miracle, in our blindness, whatever form that takes. And, although we may be able to see well enough to find this virtual service on YouTube, Jesus makes it clear that when talking with the Pharisees, and also God talking to the prophet Samuel, that we can still suffer from blindness. An internal blindness. Which, interestingly enough, the man born blind, then healed, he was also relieved of, at least to a degree. Now, one blindness that I'm thinking of is, I think, human nature. And that's what Samuel experienced during the next King of Israel runway show at Jesse's home. He saw the eldest son, Eliab, who evidently was tall and handsome, regal in his appearance. Samuel was blind in the way lots of us are. <clears throat> when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm not saying that the man born blind, then healed, got over that kind of blindness. He was entered, just entered into a whole new existence of things and people and groups to see and possibly to admire and in some cases have a crush on and beyond. And I understand being a sucker for beauty. I mean, I have a Marilyn Monroe wall calendar on our wall in the den. But being easy on the eyes does not mean they are easy on you in any other way. We know this. We can overcome falling for that kind of blindness, but we may have to work at it. Experience in disappointment in that department helps. Fortunately, the Lord did not wait for Samuel to get better at that. God just told him who to anoint, and in the end it was another handsome guy. But David was the absolute youngest one. What was up with that? Anointing him as the next king was very countercultural when the world revolved around the importance of the firstborn. That's another kind of societal blindness of those times, and pretty much the whole biblical era. 
God was not interested in the cultural law of primogeniture, the primacy of the firstborn, going back to his choice of Jacob over Esau in the line of promises to the patriarchs. God did not judge people by how they looked, nor did God follow the patterns of the prevailing culture in working the divine will. God had the sight where we have had or have some blindness, even if our eyes work just fine. Sight and blindness. Sight is a miraculous blessing for that guy two millennia ago and for you and me. When we are socially isolated, Jesus still sees us, comes to us, and offers us sight. Through faith, we can see things that we've never seen before. Our eyes are open like the two disciples in Emmaus on Easter night. They could see Jesus. They couldn't see Jesus. Well, that can happen to you and me, too. We pray that it does when we need to, when God needs us to, and we are blessed as a result. One kind of sight Jesus offers us also in these days is that of all these folks, young, old, and in between, coming out of isolation enough to help those who are in need of real help. When people were hoarding pasta and toilet paper, some had the spiritual vision to avoid that and buy extras for those they knew who might be unable to shop in those conditions, if at all, and get it to them. Some who might be in confinement, share those extras with them. As uh, Mr. Rogers said, his mom told him, in times of disaster, look for the helpers. When healthcare professionals at many levels are in great need of personal protective equipment, PPE, there are persons who came up with the design or found the design to make protective masks and began sewing them at home with the right kind of cloth and everything so that they may go to emergency vehicles and hospitals. I don't know if that can be done on a big enough scale to make a dent, but you know, one that's given is going to be one less need that they're going to have. I saw on cable a news story about a group of young persons called Invisible Hands Deliver, a free grocery delivery service started by two 20-somethings in New York City and has blossomed. One of the guys said near the end of this segment that love and action like that will defeat COVID-19. Love will defeat the disease. Are we seeing persons and things and dynamics and positive storylines and the spirit of God behind them that we have not observed before? Yes? If that's so, let us see these miracles of love in action that we haven't seen the like of and give thanks to God. Blindness, sight, sight, blindness. There's another kind of sight that is less pleasant but really important, and that is the ability to see within ourselves if we are blind. Blind like the Pharisees were blind. They were blind to the good that Jesus had done. Not once did they congratulate the man who was healed or celebrate with him. Go, wow, that's fantastic. Some of the Pharisees, there was a division between them. 
But once they learned this was done on the Sabbath, the half that was against Jesus took the four. They controlled the rest of that narrative. And because Jesus had made mud, and which was interpreted by humans, by the rabbis of the previous eras as work, thereby violating the laws of Sabbath rest. Finding out who did that was all they cared about. They were so focused on that interpretation of the law and its perceived violation that they drove the miracle man out of their synagogue. So I guess he was not totally isolated. They were blind to God doing a miracle of healing that changed one man's life for the better for the rest of his life. All that mattered to them was it was done with mud on the Sabbath. Tisk tisk shame, shame, condemnation. Have you or I or the church ever been so blinded by the small and human traditions to the point that we are incapable of believing God is at work transforming people's lives? And so we do not take part but get left behind? Has that happened? You know, it's easy now for me to think how our fundamentalist people of the book have created a theology of exclusion sometimes of hatred and even condoning murder of persons born lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or plus, because of a handful of scripture that are echoes of a fearful society. They cannot see, will not see, how the Lord works in and through the lives of persons they condemn. But that's easy for me now. I have been blinded in that way before. The teaching of Jesus here is a call to humility. Because we can also have possible blind spots in our belief system. And he wants us to learn to be aware of that. Because we can become aware of how we make a theology out of a molehill and neglect the weightier matters of the gospel, to borrow a phrase, like justice and agape love and compassion and truth. For you and me to perceive our own spiritual blind spots, that's also something we've not seen before. We're given new sight. And Jesus can come and heal that blindness. Wherever we are, isolated, with just a couple of people, or in a throng. And that's the good news. I left my bulletin on the pew. What's next? I think it's a hymn. Call to prayer. It is our call to prayer. That hymn is nearer the end. And so give us...
God of vision and miracles, Prince of perception and peace, Spirit of provocative truth and strength. Hold us, we ask, in this time of distance and uncertainty, often maddening uncertainty. We thank you for the stories of Samuel and David, Jesus and the man born blind, and our own pilgrimages that have brought us to seek you and celebrate your companionship on the hard roads we travel and the hard seats we might be sitting on. The belief in your everlasting love and unfailing presence is a comfort beyond price to us. If we were all in the sanctuary of St. Peter's, as I'm honored to be now, our members and friends gathered would await my praying for your favor upon those in our church relations who have birthdays this week, and so I will. And they are Haley Khan, Jason Ayanati, John Balling, and Sue Bale. And so we do ask your favor on them, on their birthdays. We pray also for those in the hospital, like Ginger's friend Marty Kane, recovering from a long knee surgery. Others fighting disease, like Eva Viegas, Bill McElroy, Bruce Gillette, Chase and Lisi, Martha Chamberlain, Bill Todd, Carolyn Keekler's friend Sarah and Chris, and everyone diagnosed with COVID-19. Protect the healthcare workers at every level during this pandemic, O oh Lord and speed the provision of personal protective equipment to them all as well. To everyone facing surgeries that cannot wait, for all fighting addictions and seeking recovery and their loved ones, for those living with mental health challenges, and for the chaplains who may be the only spiritual visitors some in hospitals or nursing homes can receive now, we pray for you to please meet their needs. Hear our prayers for those who cannot speak, for those who do not know how to pray, or whether to believe if there is someone who would hear their prayers. Hear the prayers of mourners. There are many more today than there were yesterday. Let those who are lonely receive company, or at least a true sense of your being there with them. May those who are facing bills they cannot pay because the work has gone away, we ask that you find their needs somehow being met. And may those seeking employment at this most inconvenient of times find openings. Grant rest to the weary, O Lord, for there are many and patience to parents, wisdom to our children and youth, and the spirit of generous service to us all. For your church, Jesus, we ask your anointing, that we may serve you to the best of our abilities. We pray for the provision of our needs here and abroad. This is a challenging time. How to be church during a pandemic and quarantines as a new class for all of us to take. We are encouraged 
by the reminder that people will know we are yours by the love we have for one another, for our neighbors, and even for our enemies. And so in love, our prayers carry on silently. All these we offer up in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who healed the man born blind, who told the Pharisees how to really see, and who does the same for us, and heals us, comes to us, touches us. And in his name we pray the prayer that he gave to his disciples, praying together wherever we are, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before we sing our hymn and receive our charge and benediction, it says words about the offering in the bulletin. Now, there's no offering this Sunday, at least not here. And it's... Uh, when are our counters going to come and, and count anything that's brought in? Well, that will have to be arranged. But since Sunday mornings usually our best time to receive offerings, and the most frequent time of the week they are offered, I'm going to let you know about something you may have already seen online about. Probably, if you're here, you've read about it already. And that is to make a contribution to St. Peter's United Church of Christ, because although we are putting the brakes on what's happening, we are not exactly stopping. We are not going to, you know, we're not dying. Uh, we still need to be kept alive by one another, and our financial gifts also are part of our faithfulness and help to make the church continue in her faithfulness. And so one way to do that that's new, and I've been told is convenient, is to do that, you can do it right now if you have a PayPal account or this is how to create one. And I'm going to ask Florida to tell me if this is visible to people. Can people read that? She's giving me the thumbs up. I'm going to hold it a little longer if somebody's writing something down. And in advance, the church thanks you. Originally planned, this, our service was not going to have any hymns, but somebody really encouraged us to rethink that. And so I decided we'll sing an opening response we all know by heart probably, and uh, we're going to sing one hymn, which still I think might speak, and hopefully will speak to those of us 
who might be feeling a little, really, uh, um, they're keenly aware that we're not gathered together in the, uh, the hundred-year-old pews of St. Peter's and talking with one another uh, in person. So we do have a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. cannot see the ending, by paths yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out and stay in, with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us, and your love supporting us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. 
For there is a force of love through the universe that holds you fast and will never let you go. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our 53-minute version of our podcast today, which is found on YouTube, as I mentioned before, under S-T-P-E-T-E-R-U-C-C Skokie. That's our YouTube channel if you want to see this uh, again, but while watching. And uh, since we're all together right now, I want to uh, take just a moment, take an extra liberty to, in addition to thanking you for tuning in and listening to this week's edition, to, uh, there's, uh, I want to give a chance to our music director, who not only, of course, played today, but is our music director on a regular basis. His name is... Ben Westfall. Say hi, Ben. Hello. And the person who... I do, I do the... I reuse my phone to record, and, um, and I send it to, uh, to Laura Olson, our office manager at the church, administrative assistant, of whichever term she's going by this month. And she puts it together and publishes it, so y'all get to hear it. And uh, Stay safe out there, everyone, and uh, thanks for listening. Have a blessed week. Bye.